kind and loving Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for all your goodness this morning. Father, we sense that fall is on its way, but we're asking just keep it back a bit longer. And Lord, help Michigan to still get some more sunlight. You know how we need the sunlight. But Father, more than the sun's rays and the warmth that that brings, we need the sun of righteousness. We need those rays of hope of Jesus and his love and his righteousness to break our hardened sinful hearts and to turn us to God and to our Savior Jesus as never before. Oh, Father, hear our cry to you today. Help us to understand that you are the giver of all good gifts. And in our problems and in our trials, speak to us this morning, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. I uh, read a story recently about uh, a raven. And this raven came across a, a big container. And it had water in it. Now the raven is thirsty. He's dying of thirst. And he doesn't know what to do. He tries to, to, to get into the container, but it's too big. He, um, I'm sorry, he's too big. And the container is too small, so he can't fit inside it to just go and drink some of the water that's lying at the bottom of the container. And so the little raven thinks to himself, and so he goes and picks up a, a little stone, and he takes it with his beak, and he drops it in the container. And he looks down, and he sees the water, and he still can't fetch any. So he decides to get another little stone. And would you know that this raven kept on getting a stone, filling up that container until, guess what? The water level started rising. And as the water level was rising, he could see that his plan was succeeding. And so he filled it up to the brim and the water was right there and he could drink and satisfy his thirst. You know, friends, whatever problem you are facing, I want to tell you today that there are many little steps that God wants to guide you in to help you to receive what God wants to bless you with. It could be a job. It could be peace. It could be healing. There are little steps that we can take, and so often we don't want to take those little steps and trust in God. We want to um, see things happen you know, really fast and come our way. Uh, we are in such a a mentality of give it to me, give it to me now. But you know, friends, one of the biggest problems that society is facing today is a prevalence or um, pervading of dissatisfaction, a, pr a pervading of depression. People aren't happy with life. They try to be happy chasing all kinds of things, um, but they're not happy. And... The title of the sermon is Systematic Benevolence Equals Systematic Blessing. Okay? There has to be a system in our life that we have to be broad in our reach. And we, we need to understand that the things that we need the most, God wants to bless us with. What are you searching for? For happiness? for good, fulfilling relationships, for loving um, 
for caring, for forgiveness. God wants to bless us with all of these things. But you know that stewardship does one thing. When we talk about stewardship, we're, we're understanding that uh, we are small and God is great. That we are his children, he is our father. And so everything that we need, guess what? He wants to give us. And so we, we need um, money, we need health. And uh, you know, people are, are searching for these things, but God just wants to give them to us. You know, so, so often we deprive God of the, the blessings that he wants to give us. And I wonder, is it because we're not faithful in the small things? You know, we, we say that we don't have enough time. You know, people are racing around, chasing their tails, um, picking up their kids, taking them to extracurricular activities, um, going here, going there. Um, yes, you're planting, you're harvesting, you're canning, you're, you're being a wife, you're being a teacher, you're being a husband, you're being a bread earner, and, and we don't have enough time. But my question to you this morning is, are you resting enough on God's holy Sabbath? You see, God wants to give us time, but it works in a way that doesn't seem to make much logic, humanly speaking, and so we should give him a portion of our time, amen? And that portion is the, the seventh day Sabbath, and we should understand and we should give it willingly, knowing that our heavenly Father wants to bless us with more success in the time that remains. And people are running around and they say they don't have any time. And some would even say, is the Sabbath over yet? So that I can do my own thing. Friends, we're missing out on the amazing blessings that God has for us. What about money? You know, I hear some people say they can't even afford gas in their car to come to church. Where have you been driving around the rest of the week? My point is that we seem to think that we can do a whole lot better without doing what God asks us to do. We seem to, to think that we can get along just fine without following the guidance that God has given us. Is, is, that, is that crazy or what? Is it out of this world or what? We seem, and I see people, and I've done it myself. We work as if there's no tomorrow. We work without having a break, without having a rest, without having a vacation. I know, I know somebody who um, says he never rests. He can't. And I said, what, not even on Sunday? No, I can't. Because he was a Sunday keeper. But so much for his Sunday keeping. Is this amazing or what? Somebody is missing out on something. Somebody is being robbed. Somebody is not receiving what the Heavenly Father wants to give. And so often, we hit our heads against a brick wall, and we, we lose our health, we use our, lose our wealth, and we think we can gain what we need in our own strength without God's help. All that we need. You know, there are many areas of our life that God says, give them to me. And um, health is another one. Health is another one. If our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, 
How will we treat our bodies? What will we put inside? I don't have time to go into the health message, but we need the health message today. Amen? Basically, a sermon on the health message is eat everything whole grain, plant-based. And if you can, grow it yourself. And drink plenty of water. And do some exercise, fresh air and sunlight. Okay, that's the health message. Did you get it? Run with it. But we seem to think that we can do it you know, our own way. And so we fill ourselves with soda pop. And we don't move around much. And we keep the sunlight out of our rooms. Anyway, this is not my sermon. But it's just to, to illustrate that the things that we want the most and need the most, God wants to give us. If we would just give the portion that He requires. Did you know that in our time, He requires your time early in the morning? Yes, he does, not just on Sabbath. He requires your time early in the morning. Why? Because one week without prayer makes one week with no strength. If you're only feeding yourself once a week, spiritually, how strong are you going to be? You're going to be weak. So here we are. We're asking God for strength. We're asking God for intellect. And some of you are students. I don't have time to study the Bible, pastor. I have to study for my test. Brother, sister, who created your brain? Who gave you the ability to recall what you have to regurgitate sometimes and just to be able to pass a test? God can help you stimulate your brain cells with the reading of the Bible, with the reading of, the God, of God's Word. You cannot afford as a student not to read the word that God has designed to stimulate the brain to expand it to the thoughts of heaven. But that's still not my sermon. My point is that everything we need and we, we clutch after and scratch for, God wants to give it to us as a matter of course. If we would just do one thing, if we would just do one thing, and that is to put God first in our lives. First in our time, first in our finances, first in our health, first in our dress, first in our recreation, first in what we do and say, put God first. God wants his people to be the most blessed in the whole universe. My friends, let's talk about systematic benevolence because then God can talk about systematic blessings and so we have to have a broad sweep of areas of our lives and, and understand that we are missing out if we're not blessed friends it's not because our Heavenly Father is holding back it's because he cannot bless us because he will not bless disobedience or, or laxness he cannot so the Bible says, will a man rob God? Somebody say, have mercy. So often we act like everything we need depended upon us. We do as we please. We live how we like. We eat, we dress, we listen to, we watch what we want, and we still expect God to bless us. We actually think that we can get along fine in all of these areas. And I've seen people that have been sitting in these pews don't come to church anymore. They think they can get on better without God. 
Dear Lord, help us. We think we can get on better without God's blessing and without obedience to his plan and will for our lives. We miss out. We lose out on so much peace, so much happiness, so much health and fulfillment, wealth and power to live because we think we can live life our own way, ignoring God's guidance. Has any of you ever been robbed? Yeah, I've been robbed. There's two, two times that I've been robbed in a serious way. It wasn't here in America. Amen. <laughs> it was way back in Europe. But friends, to be, to be robbed by a stranger is kind of, you know, bad enough. But here's the thing. To be robbed by your friend. Now talk to me how that feels. To be robbed by somebody you know. Somebody you trust. See, the Bible says that we should not steal. Amen? Commandment number? Number eight. I remember when I was robbed by a friend. You see, before I answered the call to the ministry to be a pastor, when I was 20 and 21, I wasn't yet in the prime of my life. I hit the prime of my life when I got married to Petra. That was a few years later. So when I was 20 and 21, I was working with my father in construction in the south of Portugal where he had bought some property and was slowly developing it. So I had a lot of fun. You see, my dad did a very clever thing when I was small. Do you know what he would do? He would always have me by him when I was five, six, seven-year-old. My dad was a kind of a, a guy that would fix everything, fix it. You know, he could fix room plumbing, electrician. He even did electric, electrical work that I, I don't want to touch. But building, I love to build. And so he would, he would have me by him, and he would have a pile of nails, and he's fixing maybe a, 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 um, a, a picture frame, and he's fixing it. There was making a cupboard, I remember. I remember, I imagine I can remember all the years back in my old house in England, my dad on the floor making a, a cupboard, and he's got me there with a pile of nails. And I, and I complained. I said, Dad, why do you keep me here all the time? Like, you know, I'm chained here. I, I grumbled to him. And he said, son, it's because I need your help. Number one. And number two is because you're going to learn. What I'm doing, you will do. He was right. So when I was <clears throat> older and I'd done all my studies, I ended up working for my dad for a little while. And so we were in the south of Portugal developing his property there. And I helped plant peach orchards. So much fun. It was great. You know, I had a backhoe excavator. I dug a trench. I got all the stones out of it. And I filled it with manure. And uh, I, I filled it with water so that deep down it could be moist. And you know, nobody taught me this. I just thought it would be a good idea. So I did all of that. And then I filled it with all the soft earth. And then we planted the peach trees. And do you know that for many years I would go to vacation in the south of Portugal and I would eat from those peach trees. Felt good. Felt great. And so we would work on, on the land and we um, we. we planted peach orchards, we planted vines, we, and my dad taught me how to graft from, from uh, uh, wild vine to, to um, sweet grape, grape vines, and we planted orange groves. I still eat from them today. Well, the last time I went, which was a year ago, not too bad. Grapefruits, south of Portugal. There's no frost down there. So you can, it's like, it's like, um, 
Um, come on, what am I feeling? Florida. That's it. It's like Florida. And um, there's almond trees there. Do you know what it feels like to eat almonds any time of, any, any time of the year? You know, you can eat almonds um, before they're ripe, and they're like milk. They're nice and, and crunchy before they dry, because, the, you know, when you get the almonds that you buy from a packet, they're dried. They're not fresh. They're dried out. And so you could eat these almonds and olives. My mum would make um, her own olives and, um, and, you know, treat them so that they could be uh, preserved. Etc., etc. Oh, you know what? And they had these carob trees in the south of Portugal. Okay, who knows what a carob tree is? Okay, carob trees. Did you know that in German they call the carob tree John's bread? John's bread. In other words, John the Baptist ate this bread. You see, there's a, a discussion amongst theologians as to whether John was eating, um, was it grasshoppers or carob? Now, I believe he was eating carobs, because I think he was a vegetarian. You know, he, he knew the health message. Come on, somebody smile. <laughs> but these carob trees were, um, and, and the bean, you see, the cows would, and, and the, the livestock would love this, because they would kind of mince it up, and it would make some healthy, good vegetarian food for the livestock, you know, for sheep and cows and, and, and all, all those kind of things. But the seed was very, very tasty, is very tasty, and carob is a substitute for what? Chocolate, that's right. So it kind of, um, there in the south of Portugal, was the poor people's chocolate, and it's good and healthy. I think it's got no um, theobromine in it, so there's no addictive substance in it. There's just another little bit of the health message for you there. So I was helping Dad... And I'll never forget working uh, for him. He came to the point where he wanted to build a swimming pool. I said, yes, let's build a swimming pool. So we were going to mark out this swimming pool. And because uh, we had all the equipment and, uh, you know, we were going to build a swimming pool on our property, uh, we could make it as big as we want. So I helped design it and I helped measure it. And I think we did about, I don't know, it must have been 10 meters one way. I mean... It's uh, as long as this thing is wide. And, and, and I still said, no, Dad, let's make it a little bit more. And then we made it into an L shape. And I said, Dad, you know what? I want us to have a bridge here. And the bridge is going to be here for my children to play. And the bridge is just going to be at the right height so that they can sit on the edge of the bridge and dangle with their little feet in the water. And you know what? That happened. That happened. So I had great time. Um, building the swimming pool with my dad, measuring it out, and I started digging it, and after a while, God called me to the ministry. But anyway, that's not quite where my story was going. We would build small apartments for holidays, and one season, we decided that we needed extra help. So we put an ad in the newspaper, and people would come, and we would interview them, and we said, no, not quite good. But then we got these two men, one young, younger, and one older. And they came to help us. They came to help us, and you see, back then, we did not mix cement with a cement mixer. What did we, did we use? We used a shovel. You made a big pile of sand, and you just, you measured out a whole sack of cement. And you just put enough um, sand to um, be the right consistency and mixture, and you do it by hand. 
And so we had some extra helpers to, to um, help us. And these, there was a younger man and an older man. I don't remember their names, but they were such good workers. It, it was amazing. And uh, we, we were doing, uh, making cement. We were laying bricks. You see, back, um, back there in, in Portugal, the, they would use um, concrete girders to support your ceiling. And so you'd have to lift these up and so on, and then you'd build it with, with tiles in between and then put concrete on top. I mean, it was kind of, you know, like a, a bomb shelter in comparison. But these needed strong men with muscle, and so you needed more than just me and dad. My dad's a strong man. He still is. He still works um, out there. But these two men were excellent helpers. You know, when people work, kind of, you don't have to tell them what to do, and they, and they know where to go and what to do. They were those kind of men. We became friends with them. They would eat at our table. We would even pray together. And uh, guess what? They came to church with us too. This went on for about three, four months. And uh, often they would even pray at mealtime. And we'd study the Bible together. After a while, cut a long story short, um, the, young, the young guy comes and asks me and says, look, Dan, I need, I need just a little advance on, on our wage. So I was in charge of the wage, and so I, went, uh, I left him outside, and I went inside, and I got pulled out some money, and, uh, and I gave him. I trusted him. One Sabbath, they didn't come to church, because we were going to church, and one Sabbath, they didn't come. And when we got home that Sabbath, guess what? Our friends robbed us. These two men took some of my best suits out of my wardrobe. And they took all the money that we had. There was some cash around, not too much, but just some. And we could not believe our eyes. We couldn't believe that these men that, I mean, they were practically becoming Seventh-day Adventists. Then after a while, they just turned and, and left, disappeared. Clothes and money, gone. We were devastated and shocked. Do you know what? They had the nerve to call us back on the phone and say, hey, how are you doing? Can you imagine? I mean, they, they thought they were still friends with us. They could rob us and still call us up and say, how are you doing? And, and meant it, you know, how are you doing? And I couldn't believe my ears. I, I, I can't remember the name of the young man. I said, where are you? What have you done? How could you do this? How could you do this to us? What did we do wrong to you? That you betrayed us like this. I asked him, where are you? He wouldn't say. Have you been betrayed by a friend? Have you ever had a friend rob you? Because this is what it felt like. Friends, let's go a little level higher. Have you ever robbed God? You know, God is being robbed by his friends. He's being robbed by his children. And it doesn't feel nice. And I want to explain to you how he's being robbed. And as I go through this now in the few minutes that remain, I think you'll agree with me. Let's look at Malachi. You know, Malachi... 
means messenger of Yahweh. And it was probably written about 432 before Christ. It's um, in a time where God's people are really, really winding him up. Maybe that's not the right term. But they are really living a kind of disobedient lifestyle. And the book of Malachi really is God's complaint about his people. How could they treat him this way? If you look at it, you'll see it. Why are my people treating me this way? And so he asks them a question and he says, he makes a statement and says, you are, you are doing this to me and you're doing, doing that to me. And, and the people respond and say, how are we doing this? What, what, are we doing? what are we doing wrong against you, God? So God has a complaint against his people. And the Bible says that God is wearied by his people. And uh, as we know in, in Malachi chapter 3, uh, it says verse 8, it says that people are actually robbing God. And so as we look at this, we see in uh, Malachi chapter 1 verse 2, it says, I have loved you, says the Lord, yet you say, and then so the people answer back and says, how have you loved us? And then um, in verse uh, 6, we read there, as a son honors his father and a servant honors his master. If then I be a father, where is my honor? If I, am, if I be a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts unto you, O priests that despise my name. And you say, wherein have we despised your name? So kind of rude people, aren't they? You know, God is talking with them and they say, what are you talking about, God? Do we, have, do we dare to have such an attitude to God? And so God answers in verse uh, 7. He says, you offer polluted bread on my altar. Now, granted, this is to the priests. But shouldn't we be a priesthood of believers? So we can apply to us, amen? Okay? And so he says that you offer polluted bread. Now, you know what polluted bread means? What is bread a symbol of? What is bread a symbol of in the Bible? The Word of God, absolutely. So these priests were giving polluted bread. The Word of God must be pure, friends. You know, the enemy wants to pollute it and corrupt it. And many preachers do. Don't allow that to happen. Read the Bible for yourself. So here I was wanting to preach a sermon on, you know, the blessings. But I said, no, I can't. Um, I need to get the whole context. I recommend you do that. Read it. And, we saw, and I came back with the, with the impression, the distinct impression, God is upset. He's upset with the people and he gives them the, his complaint and they retort back in an arrogant way. Saying, what are you fussing about? And you say, wherein have we polluted you? In that you say the table of the Lord is contemptible. Now, let's translate that. That means that coming to church is boring. That's what they were saying. Oh, we've had enough of this kind of stuff. You know? I mean, do we have to do this again? Or... And even dare I say prayer and fasting. You know, I mean, the... oh, pastor, don't put that on us, please. You'll get us all on a guilt trip, Lord. Is it a, is it a hard thing to come and do at the request of God what he actually wants to bless us with. You know, he, he, he doesn't want us to have less time, to have less food and have less energy. 
But he sometimes needs to break through our selfishness and the groove and, and, and rut that we get ourselves in. And the routine that is just, you know, work, 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 and then sleep all Sabbath. Work, 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 sleep all Sabbath. Brothers and sisters, God has a much more fulfilling life planned for you. And so God is, is, is talking here, and um, his people just complained. And, and so God is saying, verse 8, yes, the, the, you give me polluted offerings. You offer the blind for sacrifice. Is that not evil? And if you offer the lame and the sick, is that not evil? Now, how was a, a, an offering to be that was given to the Lord? It's supposed to be perfect, without blemish. And in most cases, a male of one year. And you offer the lame and the sick, is that not evil? And they, you know, they still have the courage to, to complain that God is complaining. God is so merciful. And so God says, you know, try offer that to the president, to your president. Try and offer all your, your weak offerings. You know, this hit me once um, when I was uh, around the time I was working for my dad, with my dad. I realized that I was spending more on ice creams than putting in the offering plate. So, you know, when I brought my offering, I, I, could, I, I realized and I looked at my hand and looked at the amount and said, hey, wait up a minute. I just spent more money on ice cream than I'd put in the offering. What are we giving to God? Are we giving God our leftovers of our time, of our health, of our wealth? Is it any wonder that we seem to be missing out, lacking in, in something? And so it goes on, and this continues the whole book through, okay? So, um, I mean, in verse 13, verse 13 of chapter 1 says, You said also, Behold, what a weariness it is, and you have snuffed at it. Thus says the Lord of hosts, You brought that which was torn and lame and sick. Thus you brought an offering. Should I accept this of your hand, says the Lord? You know that um, the Malachi, I think, mentions curse about four or five times. And it's the last word in the book of Malachi. But there's blessings and there's, there, there's cursings, but then there's blessings. If you read through it, you will, you will see. I mean, here's, here's one. Verse 17 of chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 17, you have wearied the Lord with your words, yet you say, wherein have we wearied him? Now listen, listen, listen to, to what wearies God. When you say, everyone that does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. You know, that's an abomination to God. And then I see that God has these complaints. But he has the promise of blessing. Chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in. Behold, he shall come, says the Lord of hosts. But who may abide the day of his coming? Day of judgment is coming. 
Who may abide the day of his coming? Who shall stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and a fuller's soap. Oh, look at this. Isn't this beautiful? And he shall sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. It seems like God is trying to tell his people that his people need to be refined. And friends, sometimes we need to go through the fire. And you know, the refiner of silver would wait for that, for that metal molten mass to reproduce the image of the refiner. And then when it was re reproducing the image of the refiner, he would pull it out of the heat. So don't be afraid of, of fire and uh, tribulation, friends. He then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord. God wants a refined people. He wants us to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. And I will come near unto you, uh, verse 5, come near to you to judgment, and I will be sw a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against the false swearers, against those that oppress the hireling in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, and that turn aside the stranger from his right, and fear not me, says the Lord of hosts. God will deal with everything that uh, God's people and those that aren't his people do wrong, friends. For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Don't take God's forbearance for granted. Don't think that you can continue in a lax relationship with God and with open disobedience without reaping what we sow. Even from the days of your fathers, you are gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me. So God has this complaint in the whole book of Malachi. And now in the context of saying, return unto me, he mentions tithes and offerings. I don't know about you, but to me it seems like that's the place to begin for revival. Can you see that? He says, turn unto me. Turn unto me. Return unto me and I will return unto you, says the Lord of hosts. You don't get the blessings that you're seeking because you're wandering off, disobeying my will, my laws, and my statutes. And again, they're still insolent, and God records this answer, Where we, wherein shall we return? Still complaining. You're telling we've got to return? You know, um, the church is calling for revival and reformation worldwide, down from the top. And, you know, many people listen to that and they say, what are you talking about? Revival and reformation. From what? what? What's the problem? You got a problem? Is there a problem in the church? The problem is the lack of the Holy Spirit. The problem is that the church isn't the head. It's the tail. And we seem to be following um, everything outside the church rather than God, His Word, His principles, and everything that we, we need. And so, he says, in the context of his wayward people, complaining, arrogant, insolent people, in the context of bringing them back, he says, look, return to me, and I will return to you. And they still answer there, wherein, and God says, will a man rob God? Now here we really get to the chase. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. And again the people complain, where have we robbed you? And God is clear and says in tithes 
and in offerings. You, verse 9, are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes to the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, and prove me now, wherewith says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open unto you the windows of heaven, and pour out to you a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. You know, you know friends, God can protect that little old um, Buick of yours. He can make those tires go longer. He can make the gas go smoother. He really can. But you see, we, we don't give God his dues because it would be a sacrifice to us. That's the whole point. When we realize and give to God our tithe and, and our offerings... And, you know, I could go into what all of that means, but, you know, you're a Seventh-day Adventist. I'll let you get to to the meat of that. And so we, we, we try and live our life without God's blessings, and we wonder why we're missing something in our health, in our time. Give it all to the Lord. What does it profit a man or woman if he or she gains the whole world but lose his eternal life? And so I see this. It's really a beautiful book, Malachi. It really is. It shows God's patience with his people and how he lets God's people answer him back. But he says, look, come to me. Turn to me and I will turn to you. And all nations shall call you blessed. Oh, I long for the day when everybody would say those Seventh-day Adventists They are blessed by God. That's what God wants. And it's not his fault that it might not be happening yet. But I believe that revival is coming. I really do. Brothers and sisters, if I didn't believe revival was coming, I would have been, adios. But I keep on preaching. I keep on believing. I keep on praying that God will do miracles in my life and he will do miracles in your life. Amen? You know, in verse 16, chapter 4, sorry, chapter 3, verse 16, And they that feared the Lord spoke often one to another. And the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord. You know, God takes note. God takes note. If you're faithful with the little, God is taking note. If you fear the Lord, if you obey Him, if, if you would rather um, suffer than disobey His commandments, He's taking note, and He will bless you. And the blessing is that you won't have enough to store it up. You know, since I've been a child, I've been tithing and giving offering. There are many people that could, could give testimonies. In fact, I invite you, if somebody here has a testimony of how God has blessed them, or how they, they, they gave their last penny in, in tithe and offering, and how God turned things around and just blessed, please come and tell me, because I will bring you up here, and we want to hear what God is doing for his church. Amen? And God goes on to say here, I cannot miss it, Him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. Verse 17, chapter 3. And they shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in that day when I shall make up my jewels. And that 
could mean special treasure. We are his special treasure. And I will spare them as a man spares his own son that serves him. Then shall you return and discern between the righteous and the wicked. We can't see clearly. Between him that serves God and him that serves him not. Friends, the day is coming, and it's, it's spoken of there in, in chapter 4. Behold, the day comes that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yes, all they that do wickedly, shall be stubble, and the, and the day that comes shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go forth and grow up as calves in the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, and they shall be as ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, says the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Behold, verse 5, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, of the righteousness of Christ. I will send you Elijah before the coming and the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Do you know how we rob God? We rob God of the joy of being able to bless us in our faithfulness. That is how we rob God. He wants to bless you so much more. He wants to bless you a thousand times more than he's blessed already. But because we're not consistent and systematic in every area of our life, realizing that everything that we have is a gift from him, we end up with the crumbs. We rob God of the joy of his blessings that he wants to pour out upon us. Oh, friends, I was robbed by a, by a friend. Let us not rob not only the greatest friend in the universe, but let us not rob him of the privilege of blessing our faithfulness. Amen. Amen. I had more to share with you, but time is over. If you want some of these quotes on uh, tithe giving and uh, systematic benevolence, I have a whole stack of them in my pocket. So speak to me later. Father, as we bow before you, we, we sense, Lord, that you want to do something fresh in our church here at Nichols Road. We're sensing, Lord, that we've been here too long. We're sensing, Father, that we, we, we're praying and we're asking and we're praying and we're asking. And, you know, Lord, even some of us, we get tired of praying and asking. Father, you have said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. Father, we bow before you in humility now. Many of us recommitting our lives to faithful giving of that which is yours already, the tithe. And then our free will offerings. Father, help us to see. Teach us, Lord, in your own sweet way. You are so patient with us. We're rude to you. We're insolent. We turn our backs on you. And, and yet, Lord, you are still saying, turn to me. And I will turn to you. And see the blessings that you won't have room enough to store them even. Father, help us to understand it's more blessed to, to give than to receive. Lord, please bless every young person here in this congregation. 
please bless every wage earner, everyone that is, is, is wondering, where am I going to get the time from to do this, to study, to, to work? Father, help us to put you first in our time, in our eating, in what we watch and listen to. Help us to put you first, Lord. Help us to get addicted to you, Father, and get these addictions away from us that we seem to be focused on in, in, in other parts of our lives. Father, you've created us to be addicted to you. You have created us to get the greatest joy that a human being can experience in surrendering our hearts humbly to you. Father, I pray that for my congregation. I pray that for our ministers. And Lord, we want to ask you that as we go forward today on your holy Sabbath day, that you may make us rise up with joy and exaltation as we honor your holy Sabbath. Father, help us to be faithful Sabbath keepers, faithful tithe and offering returners. We don't pay anything. You are the one that pays us, Lord. You give us our heartbeat. You give us our health. Help us to give you all the honor and the glory. Father, we commit ourselves to you afresh this morning. Our whole church and our, our church members that are at home and friends that are listening in, Lord, we want to commit ourselves to you, to putting our lives in harmony with your will. We do not want to rob you of the joy of blessing us the way you want us. So, Father, hear us, we pray. And thank you for answering. In Jesus' precious name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.